Life, I've observed, involves the process of moving from one stage to another. Most dramatically, this occurs when we move from the womb into the world. It continues as we move out of the arms of our parents to the preschool playground. When we move from the middle school cafeteria to the student section of a high school basketball game. As we leave our childhood home and move into our first dorm or apartment. Now some of us embrace this movement. Life just isn't as exciting if there isn't something to plan for and to experience. And others... Others resist this movement. They defer the changes. And the problem is when we find ourselves in that latter category, over time we become tentative, afraid of the unknown. And before we know it, that decision about whether we move on to the next stage of life grows larger and more complicated. And if we think too much about it, we might actually stop moving. We might remain in one place. A place where not deciding becomes easier than making a decision. This is the question at the heart of today's scripture lesson. If and when and where do we move next? Now, the passage we heard Helen read this morning is familiar. Perhaps you remember it from a Christmas Eve service or a children's pageant. Maybe the words take you back to Charlie Brown's Christmas special, where Linus stands on that bare stage and reads those familiar words. To set the context, Mary and Joseph have left Nazareth, their home to the north, and they've walked 91 miles south to Bethlehem, where Joseph was required to register for a census. Now, according to Apple Maps, it would take 31 hours to make that journey, to walk it. So about three long days. We imagine Mary on a donkey, but that's what we would hope for for a woman who is about to give birth. But Luke makes no mention of such an animal. However, he does speak of other animals, sheep being watched by shepherds. Now, a keen reader of scripture knows that when we encounter the title of a shepherd, something is up. Can you think of other shepherds in scripture? Can Abraham was a shepherd. Moses adopted the profession of being a shepherd as he watched his father-in-law's sheep after escaping Egypt. David, the greatest king of Israel, learned how to use a slingshot 
when he was a shepherd. Even God is imagined as a shepherd in one of the most favorite popular verses of scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. The second chapter of Luke begins with the movement of Mary and Joseph making that three-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They are literally moving from one stage of life to another, from being a couple to becoming parents. And we see a pivot in our passage as we encounter the shepherds in the field. And unlike the Holy Family, the shepherds are not moving at all. They remain in place. Can you see them in your mind's eye? The moon is high in the night sky. The air is brisk. All is still, with the exception of a few sheep jockeying for the ideal spot to settle in for the night. And the shepherds, well, they're jockeying too as they draw straws to order the shifts for standing guard. Nothing else is moving. Nothing at all. This morning we continue our series, The Call of Christmas. And we've heard the voice of the prophets reminding us that a child will be born and upon those shoulders a divine Government will rest, and he will be called Prince of Peace. And we heard the call of Zechariah, the older childless priest, who reminded us that beyond El Shaddai and Abba, God's name is also Surprise. The name was pronounced boldly when God chose Zechariah and his elderly wife Elizabeth, the two least likely candidates to prepare the way for Christ with the birth of their son, John the Baptist. Last Sunday, we heard the call of Mary, reminding us, as Madeline Langle put it, there is nothing so secular that it cannot be sacred. And that's one of the deepest messages of the Incarnation. This morning... We turn our ears to the call of the shepherds. And what is their message to us this Advent? They invite us to make a decision. Chip and Dan Heath are brothers. They're also best-selling authors. And they make a living by observing how we think how we act, how we buy, or don't think, don't act, and don't buy. In their book, Decisive, they identify four villains of decision-making. The first they call narrow framing, meaning that when faced with a decision, we often become paralyzed because we frame a decision as either Or, instead of asking, should I invest in my older car, we ask, 
Should I buy a new car or not? The binary choice narrows our vision. The second villain the Heath brothers identify is what they call confirmation bias. They observe that our normal habit is to develop a quick belief about a situation and then seek out information that bolsters that belief. I don't need to tell you that that villain is alive and well in our politics today. The third villain is short-term emotion. They note that when we have a difficult decision, our feelings churn. We replay the same arguments over and over in our head. We kick up so much emotional dust that we cannot see our way forward. We find ourselves in a spiral when what we need is perspective. The fourth villain is overconfidence. They quote a study that shows that when doctors reckon themselves completely certain, completely certain about a diagnosis, they were wrong 40% of the time. And when a group of students made estimates that they believe only had a chance of being 1% wrong, they were actually wrong 27% of the time. The conclusion, we have too much confidence in our own predictions and our own decisions. So how do we defeat these villains? In the fields outside Bethlehem with the solitary moon shining in the ink black sky, Our sheep and shepherds are settled when into their silent night burst a great light. The poet W.H. Auden describes earth's darkness invents the blaze of heaven. Luke depicts it as the glory of the Lord shone around them. On your bulletin cover, an artist's interpretation of that moment is that brilliant lights and voices and song Reverse the dark, soundless night. The senses of the sheep and shepherds keenly tuned to detect danger sparked with terror. The heads of the sheep frantically turned this way and that. The shepherds' eyes lifted up to the heavens, wondering if the world was ending, which was ironic because that day, The world was reborn, beginning anew. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior is born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Lying in a manger. So how do we defeat the four villains of decision making? Chip and Dan Heath offer an intriguing strategy. 
they suggest ladder up. And what do they mean by that? They observe how these four villains keep us on the ground level. They keep our perspective flat. And what paralyzes us from making decisions, from moving from one stage to the next or one location to another, is that we are stuck within our own human vision. But as they suggest, if you can scale up the ladder, you begin to see more and more. Your perspective changes. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. As I spent some time with our biblical text this week, I discovered that the Greek word for let's go actually means let's go through. Meaning that it wasn't a move that was smooth or direct or easy. It was not moving from point A to point B. The field had become their home, their familiar place. It was quiet. It was dark. It was lonely. And sure, predators circled at times, but it was a place they knew. And so in order to put one foot in front of the other as they moved to Bethlehem, they first had to go through something, through a shepherd's version of the four villains. Or in the words of the Heath brothers, they had to ladder up. To ladder up, to go through their habits, through their assumptions, through their fears, through their sense of overconfidence, all that was keeping them in place out in those fields. I'm wondering on this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we near another Christmas celebration, near the end of another year, do you find yourself like the shepherds, out in the field, not moving, not looking up or beyond, but keeping watch on what is squarely before you. Perhaps you know a decision needs to be made, but you don't want to. You don't know how to make that decision. A decision about a relationship, about your career, about a class, about your health, about your faith. You don't think you are ready. You don't want to be uncomfortable. You aren't sure you want to change. And so you decide not to decide. And you are in a field. The good news Luke proclaims this morning is that like the shepherds, we are given an invitation to ladder up, to look up, 
and to see from that new and heavenly perspective what God is doing. We are invited to go through whatever villain is paralyzing us so that we might see and that we might marvel at what is being born for us today in Bethlehem. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.